Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode. today's episode, I chat with the creators of the Scottish Music Children's Theatre Company, the McDougalls. With fun for all the family at the heart of their energetic and educational productions, the McDougalls take audiences on fantastic adventures with their wonderful characters, engage in storytelling and sing-along magic. Recording this episode was an absolute joy. I laughed from start to finish and was left completely inspired by the energy and the passion they have for what they do best. So on to today's episode... Um, I'm here with the McDougalls. Yeah, it's Can very you exciting. Introduce yourselves. To- uh, so my name is Ryan Moyer, one of the co-creators of the McDougalls, a children's show, and I'm Rudy Ford, I'm the other co-creator of the McDougalls. Describe to us wh- who are the McDougalls. It's the McDougalls. Basically, is a very, very interactive, uh, fun musical show for children. Uh, so we say for children, but actually we discover that. Sometimes the adults enjoy it as much as the kids. <laughs> and the premise of the whole thing is basically this Scottish family who go and have, you know, fantastic musical adventures in various different scenarios. It started as quite a kind of small scale thing in 2014, um, but only kind of the past two years, maybe it started to take off mm-hmm. um, and I've got really busy with it now. But it, started, it was quite a small wee thing uh, and it was quite different to what it is now. It was very... Um, it was more like a like a play for mm-hmm. kids with music in it, okay. and then we discovered actually the music's kind of what the kids are into here, and and they like the story as well. But we thought let's actually make more of the music here and make this more of a a musical show with a story. But it still still is a a strong story. But we kind of you watch back the recording to the first one, you're like, oh man, we're talking for so long, so long. <laughs> I know, and no singing, but I think something that we kind of grasped sort of quite fairly early on was mm-hmm. the fact that actually see by making a huge thing of the musical content suddenly it kind of engages every single person in the audience straight away so even if you know for example show wise we end up with you know a huge uh, sort of wide demographic who come to it if that's yeah. like you know parents who might have children who are six months old mm-hmm. through to grandparents that might bring kids that are 10 yes and through trying to make more of the musical content we discovered that actually it spans that yeah, whole it's kind of like a universal well. language yeah. music isn't it it's, it's pretty universal and even like from the parents point of view and the grandparents too it actually suddenly sort of clicks something with them mid-show uh-huh. so the musical thing is something that it's kind of sort of grown but I think when we first started we kind of thought this is you know sort of wordy and it's all about you know kind of plays for children and everything else then we ended up sort of growing that into a musical show yeah. There's something nice as well about so there's a mixture of original music that we write plus kind of traditional children's mm-hmm. nursery times whatever and there's something quite nice about them being able to come to the show and, and know bits of it already yes. so if you sing row 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 your boat and they know that mm-hmm. they and come they to it and in. they can join in and it's Aye. not brand new for them and and they can participate but yeah. even you know simple things it's like twinkle twinkle little star mm-hmm. or whatever but the minute you put something like that into it that they already know ah uh-huh. they're at ease and they want to join in and yeah, they want to come uh-huh. along and they adventure. Absolutely. It sort of gets them on your it. side to start with as well. So it's we always tend to, towards the start of the show, uh, put in a traditional song. So for example, our Christmas show there, uh, the McDougal's in Wonderland, we had Twinkle Little Star right at the very, very start. 
but and basically like it kind of almost acts as a warm up and it gets everybody all on your side mm-hmm. and from that point on you can kind of do anything brilliant sort of idea because brilliant. it kind of gets everybody yeah kind of everybody's on board and everybody feels part of the experience but I suppose going back to the kind of how it started as well so it kind of basically started as a one off thing mm-hmm. for so the the venue that we still go back to every uh, Christmas, the Harbour Arts Centre in Irvine, they were looking for something, uh, various things for their summer mm-hmm. programme for kids. Uh, but I don't think they actually meant a show, I think they meant sort of workshops, which is kind of what we did in the first place, um, the kind of educational side of stuff. So I then went back to them and said, I've got this idea, rather than doing like a kind of summer school workshop thing for kids as an activity, we'd like to actually make a show. Right. Sort of thing that they can come to. Yes. But and, and still sort of engage with live theatre, but as opposed to them being in it, they would kind of watch it and get that kind of excitement. So we did it just as a one-off show called Meet the McDougals, hmm. which only really was supposed to happen there. Then kind of from that, people liked it, so we sort of toured it around some places, yeah. and then we ended up then sort of making a bit of a thing out of it. I guess it's nice that you, it was something that you just were like, we're making it for this. And then you weren't really preempting what was going to happen, or yeah. hoping, or like not putting any pressure on it, and that's obviously how it's been allowed to develop. It's kind of gone from being something that we kind of did on the side mm-hmm. to then becoming, you know, our main thing. So mm-hmm. we we were working at like like youth theatres and whatever, and this was just a wee thing for us to do, yeah. you know, on the side a wee project, and something we quite enjoyed and we quite enjoyed performing. And now it's actually become like we work less at youth theatres because we don't. Wow. We don't really have the time now yeah. to, to teach as much and whatever, and um, this is actually kind of taking over. Mm-hmm. But I know yeah, that's right, it did start off as just the one-off. Well, but there was something before that, that sort of, the year before the Mendigo started, we put together a sort of children's family show of Hansel and Gretel, which we kind of, because I'd always liked the idea of starting my own sort of touring company uh-huh. for children and for families and like that idea. So we, mm. the year before, did a sort of Scottish musical version of Hansel and Gretel okay. and so we wrote the script for it we sort of wrote various songs and everything and we toured it just like round you know it's sort of small wee theatres but sometimes it was the kind of back rooms of pubs and, <laughs> and shopping centres as well yeah. in these places yes. um, the glamour <laughs> various oh, corporate the glamour. things I know, and whatnot. I know it well I know it well <laughs> but, and basically from the back that was actually so it was really from the back of that uh, doing Hansel and Gretel people liked the Hansel and Gretel show sort mm-hmm. of idea we did mm-hmm. so we then thought Oh, we'd like to do more of that idea, but we can't like really sort of take a story. Mm-hmm. But in kind of, so you can't really take Hansel and Gretel and say let's do a sequel, really. Absolutely, I know. I know. yeah, yeah. So uh-huh. we thought let's take the kind of the concept of what we did in yes. it. Yes. But and actually, that's where so in the McDougals we have Morag the Rabbit, mm-hmm. who's a kind of very very popular features part of the show. But she actually technically made her first appearance in Hansel and Gretel because wow. Hansel and Gretel <laughs> met her in the forest. So we sort of took the things we liked from doing the Hansel and Gretel children's show that we toured about. So that kind of interaction thing, sort of almost the kind of the panto style yes. thing with a bit of a nod to, I suppose, what variety would be for kids if yeah, that was like a, a thing. Yeah, so we sort of took that sort of idea, then took the sort of Morag the Rabbit kind of uh-huh. idea and took some of the song, <laughs> song ideas and we actually then, from that, made that first meet the McDougal show Brilliant. for the theatre and everything. And I was going to ask you about the characters, like obviously you've mentioned Morag, like can you tell us more about the characters that are involved, how, how they came around as well? So, so Morag the rabbit is <laughs> a six foot white rabbit who basically we think probably stays in a garden 
Right. But I'm not sure if that's really true, but I haven't really thought too much about the backstory to, <laughs> to, to be honest, but she probably stays in the garden and at the same time she kind of shows up everywhere, so it's a bit like you've but sort of say if there was like a McDougal's in space, she would bump into her. Got so yeah. I think she just kind of follows you. She's, she's actually the kind of sensible one. Mm. Is she right? Yeah, okay. she sometimes kind of sorts things out and has the she's ideas. She's the voice of reason, is she? Um, albeit she can't kind of speak. <laughs> so she, she communicates through sniffs and whispers. But, uh, but she kind of has the idea. And we'll go, oh, oh that, what's that you're saying, Morag? Oh, great idea. Um, she could be saying anything. But she kind of like points you in the right direction because we, so Ryan plays Max, who's just a kind of like, Sort of excitable version of me of yourself, yeah. Okay. Uh, and I play Auntie Aggie, um, the kind of Max's old auntie, mm-hmm. and we're both a bit kind of daft and, and silly. Mm-hmm. Ever so more, like sometimes you kind of voice a reason. Auntie Aggie actually came about because you just said, "Wouldn't it be funny if you played an old woman?" Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, and I went, "Oh, that would be quite funny, wouldn't it?" <laughs> but also, it's quite funny as well because we sort of look back at uh, videos and things that we've recorded of the kind of early shows we did four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. Since then, both our performances have changed quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what's really noticeable is that, <laughs> see, when you look at like that first show, that Meet the McDougal show, mm-hmm. Ruri as Auntie Aggie sort of makes a great attempt to play a character, but actually over the years, <laughs> Auntie Aggie's kind of became you. <laughs> and and you've became Auntie Aggie, sort of as in, something's happened to the pitch of his voice that basically means when you see him now on stage, but it's far more sort of conversational and actually kind of like, you know, as you speak to Ruri just now. Yes. No than actually almost the kind of sort of high-pitched falsetto thing you did when you first started it's it. Because it found its feet. The first one, we, the first one, this is another thing we kind of learned as well, the first one had loads of characters in it. Yeah. And then we basically stripped it back so there's just three. And you yeah. might meet the occasional, you know, if, if we're, you're doing a, like a pirate show, you'll meet a pirate, remember? Yes. But in the original one, so there was like Ryan and then we had another character, then there was... Morag, who I mm-hmm. I used to play Morag the Rabbit, mm-hmm. but I also played Auntie Aggie, also played an uncle, also played a next door neighbour. I played all these characters, mm-hmm. so I had, I had different voices for each one. But then when it kind of came to the stage that all I was playing was this one character, I thought, oh, well, I may as well just, just stick it back with myself. <laughs> um, that's something that happened too. So that very, very first show, you were playing all these different characters, but people liked Auntie Aggie. Mm-hmm. As opposed to Auntie Aggie being somebody that pops in. She kind of has to be. Yeah. She has to be the one kind of driving it, mm. and that's kind of. She's the reason people buy tickets. That's what you're saying. Like. <laughs> she's the, the selling point. That's the, what you're saying. Never start. <laughs> but it's funny because when we, we thought about it at first, we were like, we could both kind of just be ourselves. Yeah. You know, maybe call ourselves like a McDougal name. So Ryan's got mm-hmm. Max, and we thought, well, well, I have one. And then we thought, actually, two like two guys just being two guys mm-hmm. might we might be too similar. Got because you. we've got quite kind of similar personalities and that we thought well, actually maybe it'll we'll just be too much of the same yes. so that's why we kind of thought well if Max has got a kind of daft old auntie uh-huh. that's, that's a, something about that different, gives us a yeah. different dimension yeah. um, uh-huh. so that's kind of where it, you basically are just a kind of hyperactive version of yourself <laughs> and I'm just me in a dress <laughs> it's also funny too because even thinking see because our background was a sort of more to do in terms of when we first started most of our work pretty much was kind of more educational so it was doing mm. like you, it was sort of drama workshops for kids music yeah. workshops for kids um, that sort of thing that I think kind of that's actually sort of fed into it quite a lot so actually now when we perform as the McDougals you are essentially there playing a character but you're actually sort of at the same time almost just like presenting something yes. which is kind of different you know so uh-huh. it's like well I guess uh, you have an understanding because you have worked with kids and you know yeah. and obviously there's an emphasis on education through the fun and through yep. the songs, yeah. then it has to be that kind of conversational. Mm-hmm. But it's almost that sort of thing. And actually, also, it's like 
Stephen watching back videos of myself, you know, I'm very much playing a kind of character that mm-hmm. is quite a kind of wee boy, sort of strong yeah. kind of sort of daft presence. But actually, it's it's it sort of sits between something that's acting, but in something that's just sort of presenting Presented. something for entertainment. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's it's a kind of merge of the two. Yeah. Then that's good because it allows a bit of flexibility. And uh-huh. and anti you kind of can get away with saying things that. That I wouldn't get away with saying. Yes. Like we kind of cheeky aside and like, being a bit gallus with the pattern and all that. Whereas <laughs> if it was just me, they'd be like, that guy, what's he on about? Up I was going to say, you're not gallus at all. No, not at all. <laughs> Something that is quite interesting is that Auntie Aggie, believe uh-huh. it or not, played by Rudy, is in certain situations so convincing that people actually have been shocked that Rudy's actually a male. Yeah. Is that right? One time a, is... a woman came up to me and was kind of making it as if she knew me. Okay. And she could kind of see from my blank expression that I had no idea who she was. So I'm like, hello. And she went, you don't remember me, do you? And I said, oh, oh I'm no. awful sorry. No, I don't. Did you know I used to work in the chippy? And I was like, no, I think you're thinking about somebody else. And she went, all oh, right. So then kind of after when you, you shake that all down and you think, did she think I was a woman that used to work in the chippy? Yeah. Or did she think, oh, there's that guy that used to work in the chippy dressed like a woman? Either way, I don't know. But she was convinced. She was she convinced knew that she knew you me from the chippy. <laughs> And where did the name McDougal's come from? So the name comes from, it's actually, it's my mum's maiden name. Is it? So part of the thinking at the start was to find just like a kind of Scottish yeah. sounding name. A bit like, uh-huh. not quite like the Bruins, but you uh-huh. kind of finding something that sounds quite Scottish. But at the mm-hmm. same time, actually, what's interesting is actually the way that the name's spelled. It's not actually the kind of the Scottish Scottish spelling because it's not Mac. It's not it's Mac. MC. It's Mac. And what was it about the kind of Scottish theme that helped to create the McDougals? Like, is that something that was important? Like, keep well, I think to you know, both of us have always been a fan of, um, you know, kind of Scottish pantomimes mm-hmm. and almost the kind of the sort of bygone age of yeah. Scottish variety and uh-huh. Scottish music hall and everything mm-hmm. else. So, in some ways, sort of the kind of thinking with the McDougals is that's almost trying to take an essence of that mm-hmm. and keep that alive but and also too because I think you know I mean Scottish audiences do kind of interact in a certain way well that's because um, of the kind of the strong sort of like you know panto culture uh-huh. in the cities like yeah, Glasgow and Edinburgh uh-huh. and whatnot. I think initially as well we didn't really think we would do it anywhere else apart from uh-huh. Scotland because mm-hmm. at first we thought well it's quite a Scottish thing and you know the McDougals and we, we're both Scottish and you know it's kind of a lot of it's like traditional Scottish mm-hmm. songs that we, we sing so we kind of thought well maybe we won't, it'll just kind of be a Scottish thing but even now like this year we're going down to Liverpool and going to Birmingham and oh, actually cool. think well maybe it, it could appeal because why why would it not, why would it not? because uh-huh. you know things from other countries work up here absolutely so we could work absolutely. elsewhere so only really this year if we started thinking maybe we could actually start to, yeah. to branch out but so it's quite funny so our first ever show that we did in England two years ago now mm-hmm was a bit bizarre because nothing to do with how the show went down but it was on a farm right <laughs> <laughs> was, on the farm which was like so, so you spent the whole show kind of breathing through your mouth and it was pretty nothing it was basically like a, some village hall <laughs> right and that almost catered for this farming community mm-hmm. but it basically was at this village hall in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere and actually I kid you not when you say about the smell but it basically was easier, so you had to go inside for fresh air. And it was that, kind of, was that sort of thing. So inside the hall was actually kind of like some kind of refuge from the smell of sort of manure. Lovely. Okay, Lovely. back to the glamour. It's all about the glamour. <laughs> That's the why glamour. we do this. <laughs>
In terms of the creative process, um, creating a new show or um, set pieces, or like, how do you how do you even begin to create a McDougal show? We can we can start well now. We can start off with a theme. Mm-hmm. So our main theatre shows now are themed. So last year's theatre show was a, a treasure hunt. So it was mm-hmm. kind of like a kind of desert island pirate thing. This year it's the safari adventure. So it's kind of jungly with loads of animals and things like that. So we can start off with a theme, and then we usually start off by thinking what because it can now be quite music heavy yeah. we think right what what songs are we going to include in it got you we, we plan out all the songs we kind of look at the ratio of how many original songs to how many mm-hmm. kind of traditional kids songs mm-hmm. and then from that we kind of then structure a story mm-hmm. and then Ryan kind of goes and works on all the music mm-hmm. and I kind of go and work on all the, the dialogue yeah. in between then we come together and then we, we both kind of Brilliant. feed into each other but ideas. it is quite a development though because actually sometimes sometimes we can start even sometimes we can start our tour and by the end of it the show's completely different because we what, sort what, of ever evolve it and you kind of learn from the minute you know to respond uh, to it uh-huh. that kids aren't picking up a certain bit or those actions are too complicated in that Got song you. or you know we, sometimes we have like like puppet characters or whatever yeah. and you think maybe that puppet's voice is too quiet they're not responding to that mm-hmm. or they can't hear the the jokes or whatever yeah. you, so you're constantly, so you're constantly changing yeah, it uh-huh. and by the end of it what we usually find is like in our Christmas shows when we do a great big long run like mm. three shows a day and whatever if you were to come to see it at the beginning of December and come see it at Hugman <laughs> totally A but like this is a totally different show and that's more just but that's kind of great though and that's yeah. like again like what you were saying that it's quite malleable so things can yeah. change and but also to even though the entire show is always scripted from a performance point of view we always kind of use that sort of almost as a foundation for doing something yes. so um, even like you know but tech guys running the sound cues and whatnot. Mm-hmm tend to take things off visuals rather than off actual things we yeah. say because uh-huh. sort of more often than not we you know that you're sort going of to tweak be saying, it as we go and we uh-huh. but then also it's a bit like so for example at Christmas time we do uh, shows through the daytime that are pretty much for schools and nurseries mm-hmm. and sometimes you know that can be some entire audience that's made up of three-year-olds mm-hmm. but and actually sometimes the way you deliver things sort of in that style of performance is different to how Absolutely. you might perform it to a show that's at six o'clock that might have loads of grannies at it. Yeah. yeah. So in some ways you keep yeah. it as a basis but you kind of know how to tweak it to You know that, suit. you know, if it's a, a kind of great big group of kids that sometimes jokes and punchlines and things don't go down well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you were to do that at a show where there were slightly older kids and there was parents and however, yeah. you get the reactions and you get the laughs. So sometimes you kind of think, I'm not bothered doing that bit because actually... Uh-huh. I know that's just, just get, not going to work uh, in this scenario. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like so, in the actual kind of building the show process, mm-hmm. if you like, it changes constantly. But actually, while you're there doing Once the show, up and running, you're, yeah. you're actually you're, sometimes your brain's like in overdrive because you're actually thinking about what you're saying and what you're singing. But you're then thinking, is this next bit going to work? Are they going? Uh-huh. To? So you you feel like when you come off at the end of the show, you're like, oh, you've done ten you shows <laughs> because <laughs> your your brain's constantly going. Yeah. Sometimes find ourselves mid-show, sort of you know coming off stage and you'll whisper something to me, I'll whisper something to me back to you. And actually, we end up sometimes. Um, doing something completely radical, like actually changing a song altogether. <laughs> really, that's excellent. But it almost kind of, but that's sort of only really is something you can do if you've got a small team of people I was going to do say, it. You're so that's a tight knit like group where that you know things are sometimes don't even need to be said. I guess it's just intuitive. It's exactly, so it can just uh-huh. kind of happen. Yeah. We found that because when we started, there used to be three, sometimes four, mm-hmm. sometimes five of us in the right. one show. So at one point, we actually had four kind of speaking characters. Plus, we then had the kind of character like animal mm-hmm. mascot costume who didn't speak so we had like four kind of actually like speaking performers mm-hmm. and 
trying to like get messages across if something's not going down well it's not easy to kind of no. hint at four people Absolutely. this isn't happening let's uh-huh. change it so what we realised is then kind of we went down to three mm-hmm. again uh, and it worked well but we've actually kind of discovered that it's at its strongest when yeah. there's just the two mm-hmm. plus like all the other characters that come in as well but when there's just the two and we think similarly and because we put the show together as mm-hmm. well you kind of know about each other yeah you know it's thinking so uh-huh. you, you can you, you can, can drive adapt it things forward yeah. in the right direction yeah. for that particular yeah. audience sometimes we feel as if inside our head there's just this like repertoire of like loads of songs and lots of material mm-hmm. that actually just if somebody just there just going we yeah. can use that we can use that but if something's not going down so well or actually if something's working well you can actually extend something or actually mm-hmm. um, cut and change something altogether pretty much on the spot yeah that's that's impressive though that's that takes skill <laughs> <laughs> that's not just like something that sometimes happens. it works sometimes it doesn't work <laughs> that's, that's impressive <laughs> um, what has been your favourite show so far? could just because it's the freshest one in my head but mine is actually the, the Christmas show that we just finished mm-hmm. there we had two Christmas shows this year um, one was two and one was just in the oh, Harbour wow, that's, that's hard going so it was like, so it was like 60 shows. performances over oh my goodness but the, 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 the kind of latest show we've written was the McDougal's in Wonderland mm-hmm. which was at the Harbour Arts in Irvine and I like I really like that one because I know I'm saying that we didn't really like the shows that were a lot of dialogue but that had a lot of kind of story in it and mm-hmm. I mean there were the same amount of songs as and we usually have but it just felt like there was a lot more story and okay. the kids really it's like the story and the music was well integrated yeah. together so uh-huh. it felt like it was dead linear and the kids yeah. seemed to really grasp onto the story and want to know what happened next oh, it didn't feel as though they were just waiting for the next song yeah uh-huh. um, because sometimes what you find is when there's too much chat and you start to hear the audience getting a bit mm-hmm. disruptive but that never happened this christmas mm. so but i've got a theory about this that actually but if somebody was to ask probably both of us what our favorite show is both of us would say the most recent one because natural fact that see because both of us are constantly looking for ways to improve it mm-hmm. but also you're always looking for new ideas and new things you can do to sort of move it up a gear mm. See, in some ways, it means that your favourite is always going to be the recent one because that's the one that you've kind of almost, uh, you know, put kind of all your knowledge into. Yeah. Um, So because we're always kind of you know evolving and looking for new ways to do things, but I think you know, some favourite show for me is always the one that I've just done because you feel as if you've kind of got it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially if you've had like a a really good run at it and you've spent that time honing it, like you say, like you're going to feel like. Although I I did really enjoy the the first ever schools, like proper schools tour Mm -hmm. we did. Going into schools must be quite different to working in theatres. Although you, but you've got Aye. this, some t- you know, a theatre audience can sometimes be a wee bit of a hit or a miss uh-huh. depending on the the collection of people. Yes. But schools are just this captive audience, and mm-hmm. whatever you say, they're going to yeah. they're going to respond to. Uh-huh. And if they don't like something, they'll tell you they don't like. How it. How exciting though, you know? like a, like a show coming into oh, yeah. a school. I know. Like you don't get that. No. Like you really don't. No. That's amazing. So, so the opportunity. You just think to see like live theatre in yeah. a school is amazing. Aye. And they're so up. They're just so up for it because uh-huh. they're thinking oh, pens and pencils down and yeah. Yeah. go to the uh-huh. hall and sing and clap. So there's always that kind of instant atmosphere because mm-hmm. the kids are excited yes. in the first place. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So I love that. In terms of like the education and 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 your shows, is that something that's important and everything that you create? Well, we actually didn't really notice it first. So in shows that we don't, you know. We wouldn't class as being like educational mm-hmm. shows. If you like, like our kind of school tours, we just think they're they're theatre shows and it's mm-hmm. songs, whatever. But we've had people at the end of it saying things like that. We song was great about the you know the counting, the bit with the counting. And we think, <laughs> yeah, but we didn't actually deliberately count. do it. We didn't deliberately have a song with uh-huh. counting well, in it. But it's yeah, like, it's yeah. like in the, it's the treasure hunt show last year, we had a song with a great big monkey, and right at the very end, he got a banana. Mm-hmm. 
and somebody made a comment about you know it was good you gave him the banana because that was a good They're healthy eating. but we didn't we yeah. just kind of thought that's just a good five <laughs> but, but as if we consciously had actually uh-huh. and we had a, a song about, banana, but it was just like yeah, part of the story it wasn't it actually <laughs> we had a we had a song about um tidying up so it was like in the kind of the mucky swamp okay. and it was tidying up all the litter in the swamp mm-hmm. And it was actually a big more aggravation. Conservation. Got it all. Yeah. But again, we just thought, well, that <laughs> we maybe... We just kind of did it and then that... Kind of we <laughs> thought, what could we have in a kind of yucky, yucky swamp? Oh, we'll have loads of rubbish and kind of gunk lying about. Oh, and then we could tidy it up. Mm-hmm. And then after, after that, people were like, that was great. That, but that was teaching mm-hmm. us a good message. Up. Yeah. Uh, of course, we were going, that's right, that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that message. That's the conscious yeah. there. And so the theatre show that we do, <laughs> but I suppose is always written purely for like, you know, kind of... But I suppose for entertainment value. But in some ways, the school shows tend to kind of marry the both together. So it's always um, sort of entertaining, but it's always an educational yes. theme. Yeah. So for that's example, like the, just that's now, like the dream team in it. Like, yeah. you know, you're learning something, but you're also having fun and yeah. being entertained at the same time. Well, but it's also that way. It's also trying in some way not to make it sound too preachy. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of that thing. So we're doing just now our show this year for theatres is a safari show. Then the school show this year is a show called Go Global, which oh. is tied in with a thing called the One Plus Two Languages mm-hmm. initiative, which is basically the concept of uh, primary children learning more than one um, other language before going to high school. Because there's actually uh, various examples of children who actually might learn, you know, French in primary school, but go to their local secondary and it's actually Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Spanish yeah. is taught. So mm-hmm. actually, the whole thing with tying in with the One Plus Two Languages, it's it's a kind of round the world. Adventure Brilliant. sort of idea when we stop off in some different countries and That's learn cool. um, phrases and meet different characters and whatnot. But and that's all tied in with that as an educational oh. thing. So that in some ways, but in some ways it's kind of a different writing process in some ways to the theatre show because you're always trying to keep it very, very um, engaging and entertaining, but you're also making sure that it's well it's also that pressure too. It's a bit like, you know, even if you're writing a song about the languages showed just now it's things like the pronunciation of phrases and stuff mm-hmm. you know of like French phrases and everything mm-hmm. and it's things like you know making sure that we get it right when we write a song just because of the impact you know that song could have to our school so that <laughs> thing is you know but in some ways but your primary education background feeds into that that's side of things so that's the kind of and you're you the one know that knows all the words <laughs> right let's take that off the record because it's not true <laughs> Because actually, Ryan pulled me up for pronouncing something wrong in French, but then I had the Spanish, so that's fine. Brilliant, so you're, you're doing a fair bit of travelling this so year, my a fair bit of travelling, yeah. <laughs> but January kind of becomes our month, because Christmas is so busy, January mm. then becomes your month for, like, you know, the CDs getting recorded, new shows getting written, pictures, you know, publicity pictures. You just the business side of things, yeah. you know, yeah. they kind of... And do you have other people in your team that help with that? So we do, so we have... As somebody who works for us who basically kind of organises all the events bookings mm-hmm. but almost acts as a kind of administrator as well mm-hmm. in terms of they it's kind an of enormous amount of work um, take care because really actually we discovered that when we did this was actually when we were doing one of our first schools tours that of course the catch 22 problem in some ways would be that if we were driving in the van to go to a show we mm-hmm. couldn't answer the phone for a school wanting a booking yeah uh, so a couple of years ago we met Melanie, who works for us now, who basically kind of holds the whole thing together yeah. for us. Okay. Um, so she's the one that answers the phone in the office, mm. and she's the one that um, people uh, speak to over the phone if you're booking a show. Yeah. She's the one that deals yeah. with that, and she's a kind of uh, total godsend to kind of you know to keep it all together because <laughs> otherwise it couldn't really happen. Well, you're not in demand, yeah. so it's like about meeting that demand for you guys and not having like being able to focus on 
the creativity and mm-hmm. it's also yeah. pretty good I think as well because a lot before Melanie came to work with us people kind of knew that we were speaking to one of us at the other end of the phone and then is that Auntie Aggie <laughs> and then after the show you'd be standing there kind of getting pictures with the kids and they'd be up going so how do we get tickets for your next one and they'd be asking you like uh-huh. questions that you don't yeah. really want to answer in front of the mm-hmm. kids because no. you don't want to snap into this kind of business mode absolutely when you're I trying just, to it kind of keeps that all separate yeah. for you guys so we thought that's actually quite good having mm-hmm. it yeah. separate so that we can mm-hmm. just but it's amazing that you've got to that point where you can be bringing on somebody to do that for you. Well, it's also that thing too that actually I suppose the theory is that somebody else can sell something that you do better than you can. <laughs> but I don't know if that's just a bit of a kind of Scottish modesty thing, but you're always, it's a bit like if somebody asks you to kind of plug your own show. <laughs> but it always feels as if you're kind of, I know, I know. I've overrated too much, but actually uh-huh. somebody else. Okay, it's just a wee thing. <laughs> but somebody else just just that. sort of can do don't, so don't another person can do better job sell that. It'll not be that good. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talk yourself. Down. I know, I know what it is. We do, we do, though. That's and actually having somebody else on the team that can actually sort of take charge of the market uh-huh. and everything else yeah. and the admin side of things. Yeah. Sort of works better. It's the same as your show was great. Oh, glad you enjoyed it. You never know what you say to you. You're always like, oh, all right, was it? And they're like, actually, somebody, somebody made a good point before about thinking of the kind of almost that sort of niche sort of following the mm. problem we've now got. It's quite interesting to think that that's really only through live performance that's happened. So we've never ever been in the telly. We've never had videos. We've never really. Somebody pointed out before the fact that that's just really. Through live performance, really, doing what you do and best, word of mouth uh-huh. because of that, yeah. that people have learned about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's quite interesting itself. The fact that actually just the power of live theatre yeah. of live theatre is really yeah. important, mm-hmm. and that you know we need to keep that alive. Yeah. And what you're doing is spot on. It's obviously working. Who or what inspired or inspires the McDougals? Thinking back, in some ways, the McDougals name for me that ties in with it quite well because mm-hmm. actually. But there's a bit of a link with so my parents' side of the family, which is the McDougal's name. Mm-hmm. Um, as a tiny, tiny wee toddler, most of my kind of early memories were like uh, sort of parties at my granny's house, and people would be like uh, singing songs and like you know kind of playing guitars, playing the accordion and various things, which yeah. actually probably doesn't happen anymore. It was actually that last That's a sort of glimpse of that it. generation. <laughs> mm-hmm. But and also we've still got home videos of that sort of thing happening. So in a way, that's kind of my main kind of early memories of doing some kind of performance for somebody. Yeah, doing so, a ton. But that was always a very sort of like fun kind of musical mm-hmm. place to be around. That seemed quite an appropriate name for it. Absolutely. I went, when I was younger, I went to a lot of pantos and mm-hmm. a lot of kind of... Plus the magic of that as well. Uh, yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of kind of musical kind of concert kids' concert kind yeah. of things. And like the singing kettle we went to when we were younger mm-hmm. as well. And all that pl- then kind of plus the fact that I just enjoyed working with kids mm-hmm. you know so then I went and did my teacher training and stuff like that taught for a while and then realised that I enjoyed working with kids but actually I enjoyed doing this because it was the, mm. the best of both so that that's kind of what what I like getting out of it because you get to you know you get to work with them in the sense that you, you bring them along in the story with you and mm-hmm. our thing is always that right at the start of the show we'll say we've got a you know We've Some got a mission. problem, and we've got a mission, and we've got this task, and the only way this is going to work is if you all help. You are so the we help. You're going to help us. And so straight away they're, they're on your side and they're shouting ideas and stuff at you. So, so some you, point it's about them being one step ahead of you. Yeah. Yes. So we're so, ne- we're never just yeah. standing there talking to each other, not including no. them. It's like you're no, the like, last. Can you help us, guys? Uh-huh. What, what are we going to do? They're almost the last kind of cast member, if you like. There's some stuff that if 
if they didn't shout it out or didn't point out mm-hmm. to his, you know, we can't move on. We can't move on. Sure. We've stand We've still. found mm. the, whatever you know the key for the treasure chest or whatever it is yeah. from the pirate show. And um, so I I like that because you kind of get the best of both. You, you're working with them, but at the same time you're actually. Yeah, that's lovely. Is that obviously the kids do inspire the stories mm-hmm. and yep. the energy and everything that you put into it. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yep. But in terms of like you know childhood influence kind of things, in some ways it's different for both of us because you it said that you had a bit of a thing in terms of your family would, would always go and see pantos and stuff, and that was what but I suppose inspired you to do something mm-hmm. like that in terms of whether it's something to do with that kind of interaction uh-huh. thing and just yeah. the magic of everything. But in actual fact. But it wasn't really a thing in my family to really go and see theatre, really, just yeah. never really a thing. Yeah. So I think, you know, they see big shows in Glasgow and mm-hmm. it wasn't really like a thing we did until I was sort of 12 or 13 and started to get into that sort of thing. Uh, so it's quite funny, obviously, that I suppose thinking of yourself going to see loads of kind of children's shows mm. and Christmas shows and pantos as a kid, but I didn't really sort of do that as much and yet we both ended up a, finding doing the same thing. you had a show going thing. on in the living room. True, true. It's, it's actually because he's fell large there's only one train an hour. Whereas I'm, I'm from the thriving metropolis that is Greenock. So, <laughs> moved 20 minutes up the road. You were living a sheltered life. <laughs> Very sheltered life. <laughs> but I do think though in terms of loads of influences, I think the kind of, the sort of um, education thing, uh-huh. but in terms of doing, both of us individually were involved in uh, kind of you know been parts of kind of local drama groups yeah. and everything young as youngsters and whatnot and youth theatres and whatnot. You you learn a heck of a lot doing these uh, and local actually clubs, yeah. you can go and see an amateur show. It's it's better than a, yeah, a professional yeah. show. Some in, in some cases, mm-hmm. um, but I mean I think it's I think it's really important that these amateur clubs still go and, yeah. and because actually a lot of the time, especially kind of younger people. They might find that that's then, but they want to go in and do that's because when they were 17, they were in something in their local theatre. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe by being in one of these, you, because you may have thought at high school, I'm never going to go and be an actor. No. Or, you know, from doing these things, you realise, you know, I probably could mm-hmm. do it and I'm good enough and whatever. And, I mean, I never thought I'd be doing any kind of performing. I always thought, oh, that's just something I do on the side as yeah. a laugh. Mm-hmm. Well, but I think that and then you, you realise actually... You, you can. can do yeah, it. Yeah, you it's can a reality. If you're passionate about something, you can make it into... What mm-hmm. you do? So even when both of us graduated, so we probably set out to do different things to what we ended up doing now. So a bit like I don't think when I was seven or eight years ago graduated from university that I thought I'd then be running a children's theatre company. Mm-hmm. I kind of think I thought at the time that I was going to sort of be like a musical director for like mm-hmm. shows and, yeah. and, and various things, whatever. And that was kind of something that just through default I kind of changed my mind and realised yeah. what, what I were. really enjoyed doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Plus that same thing happened to you because you did teacher training mm-hmm. and from that then realised actually I can use a bit of that mm-hmm. uh, side of things but feed it into something mm-hmm. completely different. Yeah, that's the dream in it, doing something that you really enjoy. You know, that's but I mean, we do totally enjoy it. I mean, it's kind uh, of... Uh, it's, even when you're talking about it, you can tell that you yeah. enjoy Aye. it. You know? like you're obviously very passionate about it. Um, I like a good laugh, so I need a funny story from Oof. any particular performance. So there was a show two years ago at Cumbernauld Theatre. Mm-hmm. And during that time, we went through a spell of various different people played the part of Morag the Rabbit because it's a full body costume, mm-hmm. you can't see the person under it anyway. So at the time, say we had like four or five people that we sort of rotated depending on what venue we were at and they would come yeah. with us and do uh, do that thing as part of the show. So, so a friend of ours ended up coming along and standing in for somebody uh, to play the part of Morag. And just before we went on stage, in fact this was the show, this was the 
uh, sort of time travel show that we did. And for some reason at the start of it, Monag had to come on the stage on a space hopper. But I don't know what, what that had to do with it. It's one of my strange ideas. <laughs> I, don't know, but I think it was to do with some kind of garden shed that flew through space and time, so she came on. At, of course. So somewhere there was some kind of like reason why she came on at a space hopper. But and basically kind of... Right up to this point, every single person who'd been playing Morag, mm-hmm. just because it's a full body, six foot costume, sort of cheated it. So you weren't actually bouncing on the thing. You just oh, kind of hopped on pretending right. you were. And everybody yeah. thought you were. Mm-hmm. But of course, it's actually probably quite dangerous not being able to see where you're going. So what happened was, just before the show, we could have said, right, when this bit of music's played, you come on and sort of pretend to be in the space hoppers if you're bouncing on it. But then we made the mistake of saying, oh, but last week when David did it, mm-hmm. David actually bounced on the space hopper and it looked really good. So they so then came to the show itself. We are standing on stage. The music then happened. But an on came Matt who was playing, so Matt was playing in Morag that day, bouncing on the space hopper. But and basically it bounced on the thing and almost like forward rolled oh, sort no. of off the front of it and, <laughs> and rolled across the stage. And it, it was that kind of hairy moment where our head nearly came off. Oh, right. So you probably from certain seats you would actually have noticed the head tip forward and just a big human <laughs> neck being there yeah. and of course on the stage we were all singing something and all four of us went Whoa! and leant, like, leant forward as if like what can we do to try and, to try and save this rap but I mean it was pretty impressive but kind of it was a bit of a hairy moment it was <laughs> there was also a story about when you had to come on stage sideways oh that uh, yeah that's right this is the very the very first show <laughs> I know the very first McDougal show whenever I played all the different parts so I, mm. I played Morag and we just got this brand well it's a costume that we use now but at the time it was brand new we used to have this kind of cheaper thing before it but it was a bit scary looking so we got like a nice big one <laughs> yeah. made um, brand new made, oh, it's great it's big massive cute rabbit and everything and uh, because that, there was nobody backstage to help me so I was you know chucking these costumes on really quickly and it was like oh right it's nearly time for more rag the rabbit so I'm quickly flinging big rabbit feet on put the body on and of course I'm stretching back to try and find the zip eventually get the zip and I just yanked it up because I thought I'm going to be late yanked it up and I just heard rip and I thought oh, oh no. no I thought oh, it'll be alright it'll just be a wee rip and then as I turned around in the dressing room there's a mirror and I went oh, my whole back my whole back is out so I, I just threw the head on in the hands and thought I'll just go for it so I just walked on sideways and you could see a bit of course we didn't know what was going on so I was thinking what's happened why is he <laughs> Walking that. And I was like just, wa- just waving like I was like a scarecrow. I was just waving. <laughs> like, Morag's not waiting for the toilet. And oh. <laughs> What's going on? But actually, I mean, it's it's funny now. But at the time, I was oh, like, just close the curtains, close the curtains, Absolutely and just stop the show. <laughs> Something's happened to Morag. We can't. So we have had as well as costume malfunctions. We have had a situation. They're a, they're a pesky. Like you'd be oh, doing fine without any costumes, really. Because well, especially in our show, there's so many changes, and you're oh, actually quite sort of, you know, it's kind of so quick, and you're quite yeah. sort of rough with it as well to get changed into things. Uh, but well, we, we have had, had, a, had a, the bumblebee getting caught in the curtain. That was a good one. Well, that was good. Um, oh. We had a, a big with this show set in a park mm-hmm. picnic thing. Summer came to the bees. I was listening yes. to that last night. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. So the bumblebee was in it, but the bumblebee kept trying to um, steal her picnic because oh. she, she mm-hmm. wanted the the jam sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a very very complicated story. High full and drama. So the bumblebee <laughs> kept coming on, and the kids all had to every time you see him, you're going to that picnic basket. Make sure you warn us. So. Um, the, these big massive kind of antenna on the, the bumblebee costume and we were in actually it was Harbour Arts like this is a product placement for the Harbour Arts it was a Harbour Arts <laughs> and Irvine again and uh, as one time at Harbour, Harbour Arts <laughs> um, as the bee was about to come on so here comes the bzzz sound in the, the bumblebee music mm-hmm. and uh, we looked at that we're in the earth of bumblebee 
oh, and we're going, oh, we can hear it. And the kids were kind of going, be thinking, I can hear it, but can you see it? And we're going, oh, we can hear it. She's here somewhere, where is she? And we were like, what on earth? And we're thinking, oh, they're in the, they've forgotten that the, the bumblebee's back they're in it or something the like that. So Ryan goes, wait, now I'll just go and see. I can hear that. I'll go and see. Turns out the antenna had got caught in the in the kind of blacks. Yep. The, obviously. And the bumblebee was just like trapped between the stage <laughs> and they just caught and actually if you hadn't have gone off and kind of freed her <laughs> would have had to just because the next thing that happened was the bumblebees kind of recorded voice, voice came, came on. on so you had to so we'd have been standing there talking to, to nobody uh-huh. <laughs> like where is the bee if you can hear we can't see so that was a, a freaky moment as well actually when we thought well and speaking about the sort of record the thing so all the I'd say a good three quarters of the show is all run off a laptop in terms of mm-hmm. if that's backing tracks or sound effects, but also a lot of the big sort of costume, the big sort of mascot costumes, mm-hmm. all have uh, pre-recorded voices that we yes. get people to record, and we yep. kind of like sort of speak along with them, and it mm-hmm. means they can talk. And at some point last year, I think we had a situation actually where mid-show the laptop went completely dead, <gasps> so we had no backing tracks, we had no sound effects. The There's me characters, about this podcast I mean, <laughs> no voices. All, all that was working was the keyboard. Was the keyboard, but it basically yeah. meant that all these things had to come on, but they couldn't talk. Mm-hmm. Um, plus, at the same time, we had no backing tracks for any of the songs. We had no sound effects, and we, but again, just because of what we said, that sort of tight sort of team of people. Sort of, we actually just improved the rest of the show. Yep. You're kidding? And got you? through to the end, and nobody Fantastic. noticed. Fantastic. Well, I mean, well, we noticed. <laughs> we noticed. <laughs> nobody, but noticed. nobody actually. <laughs> but it was, it was, it was actually, it was just at Christmas there, and it was like Santa. Santa's voice was recorded, mm-hmm. and here on comes Santa, and he was to tell us all that he had all the presents ready to deliver and all this. And I thought <gasps> he's not going to be able to speak because his voice is all recorded. So I kind of left I kind of slithered off the stage I tried to be kind of like you know oh like what's this happening over here I'll go and see and I kind of hastily exited and because my microphone was still on I just voiced Santa from off stage but then because I thought actually I don't remember what it is Santa usually says so I just repeated whatever Ryan said so Ryan was going oh is that presents you've got there Santa that's presents I've got here Max <laughs> and are all the presents ready Santa all the presents are ready Max and you I have thought, a Merry Christmas oh, Merry you Christmas. have a Merry Christmas too and it was like, people must have been thinking, Santa's getting that me a chat. Genius, <laughs> He's that, just copied. You are like, that is oh, seasoned pros right. right there. So but we just made actually, up the, the show. I mean, you asked for one story, you're getting, you know, I'm going to get one for you here. <laughs> actually, a lot of the funny stories come from at the end of shows when you're like when they're selling the merchandise or you're getting pictures taken of people only and they're all kind of like, when people think, like, think you're working the chippy. Chippy. Um, or when something that dad who was his kid was getting the picture with me just started rubbing the back of my neck <laughs> and okay. I was like oh I'm like, you tell your daddy to stop touching my neck I'm like uh, he's doing all that huh? look at Aggie's big hairy neck and I thought that's when I'm going to have to make sure that I go for regular haircuts because <laughs> when, when, when you can start to see that's the hair some of us have hairy necks well, that's right, including yeah. your aunties well, I mean, it's quite nice now because we get like, you know, we get like sort of Christmas cards and things from kids oh, and all that awesome. and things. Because I was just going to ask nice. you about your yeah. audiences, like generally, that you just must be like. It's in the sort of draws awesome. pictures and bring them to the show. Oh, and that is cute. Yeah. That's lovely. We got a wee canvas painted for us one time. Yeah. A wee boy had painted a rabbit and a, for Morag and a big uh-huh. carrot and stuff and a big M from a Dougal. That's awesome. That just tells you exactly what you're doing. Yeah. Like, you know, that's fantastic. Somebody asked, there was a McDougal's birthday party we were invited to. And somebody asked... A themed birthday party If McDougal's, they were doing a themed oh, birthday you've made party. It, you've made it, guys. Where they were making a cake. Plus, I think all the adults were dressed up as this as well. <laughs> but in basically, they asked, like, you know, as a special thing, would you mind coming along and, like, saying hello? Uh-huh. 
It should, we should have me sang a couple of songs and we did like a surprise thing. Oh, that is so that cool. Good. That was good fun. I want a McDougall's birthday party. <laughs> You're a good girl, Lisa. Well, I'm 37 this year, so <laughs> I feel like that's maybe my 40th. Eh? Aye, that's Aye. right. We'll Special occasion. Yeah. Of course, we'll absolutely. We'll do McDougall's live lounge and then we'll strip back. Oh, by the way, yeah. <laughs> I'm digging that. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, what is next for the McDougall's? So, we have our theatre show this year, Safari Adventure. Yes. And for the first time, we're actually touring this theatre scale show mm-hmm. to theatres in England. Amazing. So in some ways, that's the new kind of yeah, the new realm thing to mm. kind of to expand into English theatres. At the same time, we're also filming our first ever DVD. Cool. At some point this year, so later on this year. Mm-hmm. So filming a performance or filming as in. Like in a studio with. So it's kind of both. So oh, filming, wow. filming like what is almost like you know a kind of a sort of TV style a performance of a medical show that's kind amazing. of idea. So we're doing that later on this year, and at the same time, that's a DVD product that we'll have to sell, yep. and it'll also be online as well. It'll be. That's so um, cool. That's awesome. And then we've got our schools tour, mm-hmm. the Go Global show, and at the same time we we do a a nursery mm-hmm. kind of a show that's slightly more catered for nursery mm-hmm. kids called the Sing Along Storybook, which is like fairy tales oh, and nice. nursery and stuff like that. I mean, that and, the, and those four kind of shows will take us the whole way through mm. till about kind of October time. Wow. And then we start working on Christmas. Goodness. It's the McDougall's Christmas Party is our Christmas show. Awesome. Yeah. It's a hot ticket. Uh, so basically, you kind of, it's a <laughs> sort of Christmas party idea with lots of friends all invited to it and whatnot. But I can imagine that not all will go as it seems in the story. I think well, there'll be a few burnt sausage rolls and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure more I will get you out of more any sort of hairy situation. Sure know what I do. So this last section is very, very quick. It's called the quick fire round because it's just the first thing that comes into your head. If the McDougalls brought out a biography, or an autobiography, I guess, what would it be called? Oh. Because clearly that, that is going to happen down the line. That'll be so this is supposed to be quick fire. <laughs> 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 I know, maybe I should have given you This is where we'll let's, oh no, let's go and think about this because we need something witty and snappy. And, um, You're very witty and snappy. Though, <laughs> 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 so for our theme tune, it's our theme tune. Uh-huh. The main tagline of the theme tune is we're the McDougalls and we're going to have some fun. So I think it would need to be something like so we were the McDougalls and we had fun or something that ties <laughs> yeah. in with the theme tune. I don't know, that's a bit naff. <laughs> it's, it's a bit sad. That's a bit sad. It's a, <laughs> yeah, something, I don't know. <laughs> Being written after we both died. <laughs> Unless it's like <laughs> memoirs of Antiochia or yeah. something. <laughs> <laughs> and I, of did you read memoirs of a geisha? This is memoirs of an anti. <laughs> I think that. <laughs> both would be equally no, fantastic. Yeah, equally valid yeah, titles. Well. <laughs> if you, personally, or your character, it's mm-hmm. up to you how you play this, could start in a remake of a film, what film would it be and what character? Auntie Aggie would be in The King and I. Yes. And she would play Anna. Oh, nice. The teacher would be all the wee kids running about her. Lovely. That would be Auntie Aggie playing that part. But my theory with Auntie Aggie is as well that if she was ever in anything, she would never try the accent or anything. She would just kind of be her. Do you know, she'd be like, oh, I don't do accents. No, it's just this is how you get it. <laughs> you know, like, you know, as uh, Maria in The Sound of Music. Oh, no, no, I don't do accents. Just this. So now you see, like, sort of like, you know, Paul O'Grady plays Lily Savage and Annie. Yes. But if Auntie Aggie was to like, play Miss Hannigan, mm-hmm. she can only do Broad Scots. And she doesn't do accents. No. No. And when you book her, you know what you're getting, and that's Aye. it. Auntie Aggie as Mama Morton in Chicago, <laughs> but no way an accent. 
So it could be Annie Aggie's mama Rose. And Gypsy. And Gypsy. Which could That's be another, she could do that. She could do that. She, she, she could be a pushy, pushy stage mum. Mm. What would you be, Max? But I think I actually really like thinking of like Max and everything in the sort of McDougal's world. It probably would have to be some kind of remake of Toy Story, but actually like him there with all the kind of sort of McDougal's oh, toy characters. That's well. a good tune. I like that one yeah, too. Yeah. If you could switch lives with someone for a day, who would it be? Mm. Not that I could name anybody, mm-hmm. but like a casting director. Nice. So somebody that actually figures out who the best people for. Mm. For like parts would be because I sometimes feel like I go see things and I go oh like such nobody would have been good at playing mm. that part mm, yeah, or yeah. see if they ever did that again no really good at that like yeah. Julie Walters or something because uh-huh. I love her but yeah. um, I, like somebody that I kind of scout oh, that's cool. but then I don't know if that's is that kind of a casting director but something like that like that like the the person who kind of reaches out and seeks the people to play the right parts for things so like if somebody was to come and say oh I'm going to produce like. Uh, you know, like a production of something, something. Yeah, <laughs> words fail. Um, I would go away and think, like, oh, right, who'd be really good at that, and who'd be really good at that, and stuff like that. I think oh, that's cool. That is very interesting. But yeah. only if you could really have like your pick of anybody. Because uh-huh. like, you, you could go to town. So I think for a day, I would probably swap places, not because of anything musical, but for mm-hmm. a different reason. I'll tell you, probably with Andrew Lloyd Webber. See that concept of just like own theatres. But it's almost that thing that you said there about that selection. See that thing of just like sort of having a catalogue of theatres that you own. But in that exciting thing of like sort of almost deciding what was going to go into what yeah. lovely sort of venue, what musical was going to go and teach mm-hmm. theatre here in the West End and mm-hmm. Yeah. Sort of that kind of overview. Just having that thing of everything I think is quite exciting. Yeah. Like yes. it. What is your favourite Scottish word or phrase? Ooh. Oh mine's Galicit. Glake it. Mm-hmm. You were yeah. right in there, Ryan. I think it's because I was called it. So, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was weak. No, I don't. I can't imagine. <laughs> I've got two mm-hmm. that are not related. Um, Druth. That was oh, mine. Was it like I've got a real cat, Druth? Mm-hmm. I like that. But I also like Bahuki. But there are, but there are loads. Because I actually like Druth. I quite like Drich. Yes. Yes. Yeah. See, but you've got a good catalogue of this because you're granny. Seems to have words the that nobody else in wo- She makes words up as well. <laughs> but your granny, I think, just makes words up. So <laughs> certain words and phrases that nobody else, even like in your town, would say mm. or is here. But, but somewhere mm. she's got. But this isn't. This isn't even like she's made the word up. Or it, mm. I don't even think this is a Scottish. It's not a Scottish word. Uh-huh. But she calls the tap, like the kitchen tap, the well. Oh, aye. Yeah. Oh, so see if you okay. ever like had you know burnt yourself, cut yourself, whatever. She go. Or just go and run it under the coal well. The coal well. Can you imagine going like, pumping the, pump the water out the well? <laughs> it was just a sink in the kitchen. Or oh, the other one I love is press, like the good cabinet with all the ornaments. Go and put oh, it in the press. You know, like almost the kind of cabinet that would have all the wee ornaments and ah, the glasses and stuff? She'd say that was in the press. Right. Mm. This isn't a Scottish word, but it's just a funny thing. Certain Scottish people, even though their kitchen may be massive, mm-hmm. it's still a kitchenette. <laughs> but I don't know if that's something. <laughs> Even though their kitchen could be huge, you know, it, do people it's still, still say that kitchenette? Do they? No, their granny says the scullery. Oh, now you are talking. <laughs> As in, she actually uses that in conversation. I kept it in the scullery. Got like, whoa. <laughs> it's like Downton Abbey or something. <laughs> Many rooms are in this house. <laughs> totally. 
And are these kind of words that would feature in a McDougal show, would you think? Well, it's funny because my sister, um, she works in a school, so the McDougals mm-hmm. have been into her school before, so she's okay. kind of seen us in there, but she's never been to see one of the theatre shows, and her friend has got a couple of kind of young kids, so at Christmas time they came to see the show, and I was like, what did you think? Cause that's obviously the first time you've ever been to see like the McDougals theatre show. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, you're just an absolute cross between my granny and my auntie Liz. And I kind of went, ha, ha, ha. And then I would have been thought, actually, that's exactly what like, exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a cross between my granny and my auntie. <laughs> but I'm a wee bit obsessed with like dialect and mm-hmm. just how the, like, the difference. You, you how... were like massively obsessed with Doric recently, weren't you? Aye. Oh. <laughs> I mean, not that I know any about it, uh-huh. but I just think it's, it's just so interesting how, I mean, it's not that far away. No. But it's like, it's actually like a different, different language. language. But if you take you know, every single dialect in Scotland, mm. there must be with dozens and dozens of ways to say the word old. Because even in Inverclyde, where you're from, mm-hmm. do you say ow? Ow. Like an ow man. An ow man. An ow man. Oh, okay. I'd never heard of that until you yeah, said that. Yeah, I heard that. An ow man. Yeah. But it's funny because at Christmas there, we did the show up in Dunfermline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I quite like the the kind of Fife mm. kind of accent and Ryan was laughing saying that actually during, we were there for a week Ryan was like during the course of the week Annie Aki sounds like she's from Fife and, more and I was more like, like no, we the show. no she doesn't no she doesn't and I was like actually she does because when I was like selling the CDs and stuff at the end mm. the parents were all talking to me and so I just the lingo. I just started speaking back to them the way they were speaking to me and then in the actual show I just started talking with this that's right but that's what I was saying I was going but that's quite good because she could be for any of you Women of mystery. <laughs> <laughs> I never said man of mystery, I had to check myself. <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this. I've had a Thank you very much. Thank you. My face is actually sore face, my <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I wish you all the best this year and all your McDougal adventures. And uh, if you ever need to stand in for Morag, because. Um, I feel like I need to repay you, so if you ever need to... <laughs> there we go, there we go. <laughs> Just but no I space do, hopper. I was going to say, no space, um, it's the, no space room hopper, unless you give me some time to like, practice. But make sure the zip's going to go okay to the back. <laughs> I'll make sure I get my neck shaved as well. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Braw and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.